This will be a little bit of teaching, um, be very little preaching, I think, but it will be devotional, I hope that's what I want it to be, in our relationship with Christ, in our relationship with the Lord. Ephesians chapter 3, beginning to read at verse 14. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? It's just beautiful. I bow my knees. Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to his riches of glo- the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church, by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. The immeasurable love of God. God's love is exactly that. It's immeasurable. And just as a a run-in to where we want to bring you this morning, look what Paul says earlier in the chapter in verse 8. He mentions in verse 8, Unto me, whom I'm less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles or among the nations the unsearchable riches of Christ. So the riches that are in Christ that you and I are afforded by grace, they're unsearchable, not that we cannot search, but rather there's so much of it. It's inexhaustible. That the riches that Christ has accomplished and given to us, it's eternal. For example, as well, when we just let our eyes just run down to the next verse. Verse 9 says, And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. Here Paul speaks about mysteries that are in God before the foundation of the world. Mysteries of God's predestination. Mystery of God knowing you and I. Mystery of God sending His Son to die for us. Notice again, In verse 10, notice what he says, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. So we have the unsearchable riches of Christ, the fellowship of of mystery, which was from the beginning of the world, and then we have the manifold wisdom of God. And in verse 11, he says, according to to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And Paul's building up this great picture, and he says, look, this isn't just some plan B after an old covenant. 
This is God's eternal purpose that a son would die for you. This is God's eternal purpose that he loved you in eternity. And then he starts to try to express and explain the love of God to the church. He says, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by faith, by the faith of him, that is by the Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore I desire that you faint not in my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Then he says, for this cause, for all that's been said, for this cause, for all that we have mentioned, for this cause, for God knew you from before the foundation of the world. For this cause, for before there was a sinner on the earth, there was a Savior in heaven. For this cause, before the Holy Spirit awakened you to behold the Lamb of God, there was a Lamb slain before the foundation in the, of the world in the mind of the Father. For this cause, God knew you before you were born. God loved you. Before Adam fell in the garden, God loved you. Notice what he says. For this cause I bow my knees. Is that not something for you and I to give thanks for? Is that not something for you to say, Lord, thank you? Think of yourself in your moments of weakness. Think of yourself from maybe where you were before you were saved. Think of yourself in your own carnal state and mind at times when the spirit is not overcoming. Well, let's not pretend it doesn't happen. And yet he still loved you. And yet he still loves you. And Paul says, for this cause, I bow my knees. And I'm going to pray that what God has shown me, Paul says, you will know also. So many Christians, so many believers think, well, you know, I'm not a great Christian. Can I be honest with you? Nobody's a great Christian. But we have a great God. We have a great Savior. I know we can serve and do better. I know we can be try to be more faithful. I know we can come out of our, our comfort zone and try and you know, do more for the Lord. I understand that. I know we could do better in prayer life or Bible study or whatever, or devotional life. I understand that. But no one's great but Christ alone. For this cause I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice what Paul's prayer would be that God would reveal to you and I this morning to the Ephesian church, notice verse 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, in the inner man or the inner woman, the inner person, that God would strengthen you from the inside. God would strengthen you for today. God would strengthen you who is got up in this holiday time period when you think, I'm going to go to church, but you know, I don't even feel like it. I've had my pains, I've had my troubles, I've had my worries, I've had my problems, I've had my circumstances, and I don't even want to, and I don't even feel like it, but Lord, I'm going. Paul says, oh, the God who loved you from before the foundation of the world and knew you, the God who still loves you, exactly the same. 
text is that he would strengthen you in the inner man, that he would strengthen you in the inner woman, because your strength comes from the Lord. There's times that we stand up to minister. There's times we stand up to pray. There's times we step out to do something. It's in total weakness. It's always a weakness, really, but we think we're stronger than other times. And in that time of total weakness, we realize our complete and total need of him. And when we realize our complete and total need of him and realize in our weakness, then he's the one who's carrying us at all times, even in our strong times. But in our complete and total weakness, when we step out and stand up to do when we say, I'm going, and we get out of bed, and we say we're going in Jesus' name, and we're going to speak to that one, or we're going to carry out that will, word, or command of the Lord, that we're going to walk in his way, even how we're feeling. It's not about feelings, but about our faith. It's about who he is, and not how we feel. I got up this morning feeling rotten. Just being honest. I got up this morning feeling rotten. I know some of you have had a, a cold and, and, and Gail was dosed there this morning when we came in and I had a, a bad throat during the week and my head was busting and I was saying, Lord, this is not good enough because I need to be ready for Sunday. And you're, you're tired because of it. I'm fine today, by the way, but you're, you're tired because of it. And I got up this morning and I just felt tired and rotten. And I got the shower, still felt rotten. I got dressed, still felt rotten. Because it's not in the outward appearance. It's not in what we wear. It's not in who we are. It's not in the flesh. It's not in my own strength. Because I could feel rotten and preach the best sermon I ever preached. Because it's when we realize that weakness is, Lord, if you don't, we're completely beat. And really, we should always be at that place where we always recognize if it's not you, Lord, it isn't going to work. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain to build it. And it's even the same when we step out, whether it's to sing or play or pray or, or just to come or to preach or whatever it is to do, whenever we just get up to get out to, to, to go to work in the name of the Lord. So weak this morning, I can't. My flesh is saying you're worthless. My flesh and my mind and the old devil attacks it and says, who do you think you are? God doesn't love you. Sure you didn't even, sure you hardly spoke to the Lord yesterday or maybe haven't spoke to the Lord hardly all week. Now I'm not advising that you do that. But the old devil, you know, in our weakness and maybe even sickness or times of Busyness, we should try and cut down the busyness for him. The devil says, you're unworthy. You know you are. And he's right. But it's not about you and me. It's his worthiness on you and me. What he's done for you and me. It's about him, his worthiness in you and me. Devil says it to me, I just say, devil, take it up with Jesus. It's nothing to do with me. I don't even know how I'm here myself, to be honest with you. Do you ever feel like that? 
I don't know how to be. I don't know how. Lord, what are you ever saying to me? So we scripture, we may look at it later on, but I don't know whether it's a Belfast, a country, or, or an, an Ulster thing. I don't know. But you know, it used to be sometimes people would say, even your man couldn't love you, you know. <laughs> As man couldn't make him, you know. And it's not true at times. There's, there are parents, and most parents are loving. But isn't it true that even that we hear some parents that are not loving? But he loves you. He always has loved you. And he has loved you in spite of you. In spite of your sin and in spite of who you are, who you were or what you've done or where you've been or what religion you came from or whatever it is or whatever you think, he has loved you. And he still loves you right this moment. His love has never changed for you. Never. Never changed. Paul here, he says, I, I want to bow my knees and fall the, the, on my knees to pray for you that you would know how much he loves you. Your heavenly father, how much he loves you. Notice what he says here. He says in chapter 3, verse 18. May be able to comprehend with all the saints. He wants it for all of us. All those who are the saints of God, the blood washed, the blood bought. What is the depth and length Pardon me, the breadth and length and depth and height. Excuse me. Notice the four things. Breadth, length, depth, height. Breadth. Say breadth. Length. Say length. Depth. Height. Okay. Breadth, length, depth, height. Every point of the compass you go, he loves you. And he always has. And listen, Christian, he always will. He always will. He always will. He loves you in spite of how you feel about yourself. He loves you in spite of failures, faults, and fallings. He loves you. He loves you with the same measure now, listen, as he did in eternity. And he loves you with the same measure now as he did on the cross. Isn't that amazing? It hasn't changed. He hasn't changed. His love never changes for you. He loves you. Breadth, length, depth, height. I was musing over this, and this is what I found. Just it came to me as I was thinking about it, and I was praying about it, and I went into my study yesterday for a while, yesterday morning, and I was, pop, I was talking to some of them in a the group earlier on. I like to hang about 
especially sort of even around the house, because I would get a thought and then I'd go up and down or write something. I don't like to be too far away from the old notebook, especially on a Saturday evening. And this came to me and I just jotted some things down. Here's what I wrote. What is the breadth of his love? Well, everything must come and be measured at Calvary. What is the length of his love? Everything must come and be measured at Calvary. What is the depth? Everything must be measured at Calvary. And what is the height? Everything must be measured at Calvary. Here's what I've written. The breadth from as far as the east is to the west. So far hath he removed our transgressions from us. You know what that means? Never the twain shall meet again. That's how far you're removed from your sin when you're saved. That's how far the blood of Jesus removes you from the old uh, transgressions of the law and even the things past, present, and your future. Your future sins have also been paid for. Do you know that? Now, we're not saying to go out and live a life of sin. You know, I believe in living right before God, and I believe in a sanctified life, so please don't get me wrong. But Christ has paid it all. See, his blood is all sufficient. It's all sufficient. And so, Psalm 103, verse 12 says, From as far as the east is from west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Listen, my transgressions, and I have many, a past life, I have many, multiple millions, if I could put it, of transgressions. There's no Puritan says if the best man's sins were written on his forehead, it wouldn't cause him to pull his hat down over his eyes. Think about it. The most Holiest, I'm putting that in a bracket because none's holy but Christ alone and it's his spirit in us makes us holy. But the, the, the most holiest in man's view of men, if his sins were written upon his forehead, it would cause him to put his hat down over his eyes. And all the past life is gone, brother. It's gone, sister. It's washed in the blood. Spare and full. To be washed in the blood is to be washed in God's love. I'm going to say it again. To be washed in the blood is to be washed in God's love. The day and hour you came to the cross in repentance and were washed by faith in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, you were washed of the love of God. The blood just shows the love of God to you. And the breadth is, from as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us, Psalm 103 and 12. Now, length. Length, how long is God's love? Well, Jeremiah 31 and verse 3 says, listen to what he says, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Jeremiah 31 and 3. And listen, that everlasting love is the everlasting uh, covenant now. The blood of his cross. 
That everlasting love, actually, he talks about it in Jeremiah 31 also. You can read it when you go home. Jeremiah 31, verses 31 to 33, the new covenant that he would establish. With the house of Israel, the house of Judah, he says. And it's not like the old covenant, he says, but it'll be a new one. We broke bread this morning, and that is that covenant. Take it. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise, after the same money, I also took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for many for the remission of sin. This do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. That's the covenant. So, the length, what's the length of God's love? I have loved thee with an everlasting love. It's everlasting. What is the depth of God's love? What is the depth of love? Parent, what's the depth of your love for your child? I know the depth of my love for mine. For my two daughters, I'd give my life. And I'm not saying that lightly. I mean that. And I'm sure you do too. Christ gave more. The Lord says, if ye being carnal or evil, it says in the the King James, but the word means carnal. If you're a human being with a natural love for your children, he says, how much more will your Father give to the Holy Spirit to give to them that love him? Measure the love of God towards you if you can, even the minutest detail of it, by how much, if you're a parent, you love your children. And God says, well, I love you infinitely more than you love that one. Infinitely more. I love you infinitely more than you love your children. And the, the psalmist says, as the father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them to fear him. So there's a measure for you to say, well, Lord, I think of my relationship with my children. I give my heart. I give my all for them. I just love them so dearly. And I know that hasn't been the case for every parent and child or every child from every parent. But if it hasn't been, then understand this. You have a father in heaven who has loved you from before you're even born. Some say, well, you know what? I was a case of rape. No. You weren't a mistake. He knew you. He knew you. And you know, he knows every little child even in the womb. Glenda's expecting. He knows the wee one, Glenda, in the womb. He knows everything about you. The depth, what is the depth? From glory to the grave. He loves you from glory to the grave. What do I mean? Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes 
he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be made rich. What's the depths of that? That grace came from heaven. That grace came from heaven and became flesh, or was manifest in flesh. Love came from heaven and was manifest in flesh. God came from heaven. Manifest in flesh in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He left the splendor of heaven, knowing his destiny was the lowly hill of Golgotha. There he was to die for me, for you. What a depth, not only there, but they place him in a tomb, not only there, but he enters into the sphere, the realm, the darkness of death. Why, Lord? He says, because I love them. Because I love you, he says. If I rammed off every name this morning, it would be a bit easier if I'd done it this morning because usually we've so many more out <laughs> and it's holiday, so I could, I could ram it off easier this morning. If I rammed off names this morning, and I mentioned journey in person, he says, he loves you, he done it for you. How deep would you go, Lord? I'll not only go into death, but I'll go right into your horrible pit. I'll dig you out of your merry clay. I'll take you from your dunghill to set you among princes. Why? That you may inherit the throne of my glory. That's the next one. The fourth one is height. What is the height of God's love? Let me read it rather than just mention it. It's glory and its rule and reign. Hebrews chapter 2 verses 9 and 10. Listen to what the word of God says. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things, listen, in bringing many sons unto glory. Why did Jesus die? Why did Jesus come and bleed and die for us? that he would bring you and I unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Breadth, length, east to west, the breadth everlasting from Jeremiah 31 and 3 is the length. Old covenant scriptures and then depth. He comes from glory to the grave. And then height is he takes us from glory, from, from, pardon me, from here to glory, from sin to glory. New covenant is a strange, too old, too new. You see, it's, a, it's the idea that God is the same. He's not a different God. He's the same God right through. He's the same one. He hasn't changed. And listen to what he says in the book of Revelation chapter 20. And this is just at the coming up to the great white throne judgment. Revelation 20. And listen to what he says. I'll read from verse 5. But the rest of the dead lived not until the thousand years were finished. This is the millennium reign. This is when Christ comes and reigns for a thousand years. This is the first resurrection. So he comes and we're caught up to meet the Lord in the air. We're changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. We, we rule and reign with Christ for, for a thousand years. That is, 
we rule and reign in glory with him. This is the first resurrection on such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And when a thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. And then there's trouble again in the kingdom, believe it or not. It's what the scriptures are telling us. And Christ vanquishes them and casts them all into the lake of fire. And there's a great white throne judgment. And at the great white throne judgment, all the dead are, that are not in Christ are raised. And they'll stand before him. And, and if their names are not written in the book of life, then they're cast into the lake of fire. What great love is it that Christ would come to do this for, for you and I? What great love is it that he would come to die for us, to raise us up, to be with him in glory? Sometimes we, we would think, Lord, do you still love me? Do you still love me? He says, I've never stopped loving you. And I never will. He says, I am a father to you. You're born of my spirit. Brothers and sisters, without getting too doctrinal here, because it's a sticky point sometimes. See, when you're born of the spirit, you can't be unborn of the spirit. God doesn't do abortion. He continues with you. He enables you. He equips you. He empowers you. And all the time, he loves you. Loves you. It says that the, the breadth and the length, this is what I wrote, we look at eternity when he loved us before we were even a twinkle in our mommy's eye, daddy's eye. He loved you before the foundation of the world. And since that, when we look at it, this is what I've written. The breadth of God's love and the length of God's love is in the mind of God from eternity to eternity. The depth of God's love and the height of God's love became manifest when Christ came and died for me. Think about that. I love them, I love them. He's forming the earth. He's forming the sun, the moon, and the stars. And he knew you. He says to Jeremiah, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew you. <laughs> and I'd already ordained you a prophet, Jeremiah, before I formed you in the belly. Imagine that. God has already a plan for people. It's called sovereignty. You know, I, I sort of thought, 
I'm going to write a bit here devotionally. And I wrote four pages. Just thoughts. I've hit the first eight lines. So I'll maybe do part two next week. But let me close this. Let me close this. This passage of Scripture is to encourage every believer that we may comprehend and know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. Why? Look what it says here in verse 19. And to know, to know. See the word know? The word know is a, is a word genosis. Genosis. Uh, it means more than just to know. We'll look at it more next week, maybe. But there's a, an, an idiom in the, the Hebrew language, and even the, the Jews used it up till around this time as an idiom as well. And what it means is, it gives the idea of a husband and wife becoming one. It gives the idea of a, that unity, that oneness, closeness as a husband and a wife. That knowledge that you both have between each other, that intimacy. See, when the Lord Jesus says, there'll be those in that day when he says, depart from me, I know you not. Does Jesus not know everybody? He's God. Of course he does. Of course he knows everyone. But what does it mean then? I don't know you. I know you not. You know what it means? You and I were never intimate. You and I were never close. You and I were never unified and one. You see, those whom he loves, like you, like me, why did he love me? I don't know. And I'm just being honest. Sometimes even his ma couldn't love him. And that's the truth. And for American friends that's watching, I'll just rephrase that. Sometimes his own mother could not love him. We've quite a few Americans watched. Why do you love me, Lord? I think I'd spend eternity wondering at that. Because every time I'll wonder why I love me, I'll see Christ on the cross. Every time I, 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 I wonder why you love me, maybe I'll know more. In glory, I don't know. But I think every time I'll wonder... And John says, and I saw a lamb as it had been slain. Revelation 5. A lamb on the throne with the wounds, but it's alive. It was dead, now it's living. Who is that lamb? The lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. He died, now he's alive. And throughout eternity, we'll see the wounds in his hands and his feet. 
is written inside. He's marked. The only... I want to be really careful how I say this because the Lord knows my heart in saying this. I, I don't mean it. The Lord, forgive me if, this is, if I'm saying this in a wrong tense. The only mark of deformity in heaven will not be your sin nor mine, nor will it be what you have done or what I have done, whether to ourselves or others, because that will be forgiven and washed. Nor will it be our own vile old bodies that are corrupting, because they'll be changed. It'll be the wounds in his hands and feet. Like Charles Wesley wrote, Whence, to me, this waste of love, ask my advocate above. See the cause in Jesus' face, now before the throne of grace. There for me the Savior stands. He shows his wounds and spreads his hands. God is love, I know, I feel. Jesus lives. And loves me still. He loves you. It's immeasurable. It's immeasurable. May God take his word this morning. This little devotional message. And with his help and his grace. And his will will bring another part next week. Next Sunday morning. When we gather on to him.